Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hello and welcome to Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. I'm Dusty. And I'm Mike. And welcome to our Season 5 Summit. What is a Summit episode, you might ask? Well, if you're joining us for the first time, at the end of each of our seasons, we succinctly look at each of the parks from that season through four different lenses. Visitorship, environment, histories, and hiking trails. The first of our four summits is on visitorship. In our eyes, visitorship deals with the crowds, accessibility, featured sites, and the park environment and areas around the park. As has been the trend since 2015, minus the initial years of the pandemic, 2020 and 2021, the parks have seen upwards of 300 million visitors a year. And by parks, we mean all 424 units, both the big 63 national parks, as well as the other 361 national park units within the National Park Service as of May of 2023. We say as of May of 2023 because the number of national park sites is not static, but is the number that is ever growing. There are national park sites in all 50 states. Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C., that's for the Clue fans out there, and U.S. territories. Together, these sites encompass more than 85 million acres of land. That's truly incredible. There are some amazing sites that were added to the NPS since our summit last year, including the Blackwell School National Historic Site in Marfa, Texas, and the Amache National Historic Site in Springfield, Colorado. So these units have both been added to the NPS, but they are not fully operational due to land acquisitions that are in progress. Why do you think it's important that the sites be continued to be added to the National Park Service? Well, the National Park Service's role, as they state in everything that they say, is that they are America's storyteller. And I think as part of America's storyteller, it is important that we preserve and contain sites that help to always tell the story of this place, the good and the bad and the stuff that some of us want to cover up. Mm -hmm. 
But the National Park Service is uniquely positioned in that, no, we're going to preserve the sites and tell the stories as they happened. So I think it's a very unique spot to be in, not just for the MPS, but I would say for any Park Service entity in any municipality. Like Mm -hmm. you have the opportunity to preserve things, not only for remembrance, but also like for learning. It's like, yeah. We're going to contain like this so that we can remember this specific piece of history right. or history and and um, preserve that for all those moving forward. So, yeah, I think it's very important that we continue to add things because, you know, new parts of our story as America are happening every day. No, absolutely. And what do you think? I think the same. I mean, I think that there's also when you think about just history in general and especially some of the sites that have been added in recent years, this paints a little bit of a fuller picture of the broad spectrum that is America and the American experience for so many, as opposed to sites that may have had a particular angle or story that was not as inclusive. I feel like sites that have started to be added, you know, over the last decade or so really speak more to inclusivity, really also give a lot of other people a seat at the table when it comes to the history of America. So I think that's important. Yeah. Another important thing to take note of in the past year is the increased policy of co-management within the parks with the indigenous peoples whose land these, these park spaces once were. If you've listened to any of our episodes, you'll know that we always include a native land acknowledgement, both in the credits regarding the land we are on while recording the episode and in a hiking trail episode at the front to acknowledge the indigenous people whose land the park once was. A land acknowledgement is one way to work against indigenous erasure. While it's a small measure, acknowledgement of the land and the original peoples puts perspective on the landscape that we visit and underscores the fact that these spaces were the homes of people who were forcefully removed at one point or another in our nation's history. The NPS is working by way of Joint Secretarial Order 3403, which was signed by both the Secretaries of the Interior and Agriculture to help strengthen tribal co-stewardship efforts. While co-stewardship was already occurring in 80 sites in the MPS, including Acadia, Mount Rainier, and Liberty and Ellis Islands, this order will certainly help to work with Indigenous peoples to both give perspective on the parks and allow for stronger presence of Indigenous people in the stories of these landscapes they call home. All of this is an important preamble to our summit episode on visitorship. Planning to visit a national park site involves curiosity, drive to learn, and a love of the outdoors. The National Park Service is striving to do better. While not perfect, acting as America's storyteller is often dependent on who is telling the story and which way the wind is blowing. Since we're gearing up for some learning and some curiosity when it comes to the outdoors, let's play some games before we dive deeper into each of the parks visited this season. Speaking of Dusty, what are those parks? The parks we visited in Season 5 are New River Gorge National Park, Theodore Roosevelt National Park, Badlands National Park, and Indiana Dunes National Park. All of these parks were a surprise in their own way, from walking on under the largest steel span in the Western Hemisphere to seeing wild horses and all manner of wildlife along the Park Loop Road to huffing and puffing up sand dunes. And there was a lot to unpack. So what game are we playing? Well, let's see what each of these parks has to offer through degrees of separation. Oh, okay. So starting in New River Gorge, there were 42 years in between the creation of New River Gorge as a national river and its elevation to national park status. The park was originally designated under this president, who was a peanut farmer from Georgia and the subject of a three-part biography by the fictional character Milton Green on 30 Rock. Oh, okay. Was it Theodore Roosevelt? 
No. No. Who was the peanut farmer president? He's still living. I'll give you that uh, hint. Okay. Jimmy old. Carter. Yes, that's it right. It was Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Thank yes, you. There you go. Okay. <laughs> my, my presidential history blind spot. And your 30 chilling. Rock, apparently. <laughs> no, I remember. Milton Green, Milton Green, known as why he could die. All right, great. Carter, Obama, Wilson, and this president, who is credited with founding the NPS, have all been awarded with the Nobel Peace Prize. I'm sorry. I'm distracted by yeah it's the blue jay that just landed on your front south side <laughs> oh my god who is theodore roosevelt that's correct at theodore roosevelt national park named for this 26th president of the united states you can see bison prairie dogs elk pronghorns and these animals which mike had a full freak out over what are wild horses wild horses is song. <laughs> away. no no you're playing right into what no. i mean to here. Wild Horses is a song by this British rock band, which is also the name of a popular music magazine. What is the Rolling Stones? That's correct. While the Beatles have been featured over 30 times on the cover of Rolling Stone, this New Jersey rocker, known as The Boss, has found himself on the cover at least 20 times. Who is John Bon Jovi? <laughs> <laughs> as everyone riots in um, the Garden State. Who is Bruce Springsteen? That's right. Will lights out tonight, trouble in the heartland, got a head-on collision, smashing in my guts, man, I'm caught in a crossfire that I don't understand. Croons Springsteen in this hit song off of his album Darkness on the Edge of Town, which has a very NPS-centered name related to this season. What is Country Roads? It's something Roads, right? It's not. Hold on. It's think, not born in the USA. Think, think of a park from this season. Oh, it's Badlands. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The Jersey crowd's going to come hard for us. I am... Um, a New Jersey, as they would say in Maine, um, a New Jersey from away, because mm-hmm. I came from away. Great. Badlands National Park features incredible and desolate sites in a very remote part of South Dakota. The land there is rife with fossils, but not of dinosaurs, because at one point, Badlands was covered by this. What's water? Because it was the eastern, western interior seaway. That's correct. The different sedimentary levels of Badlands National Park include the Sharps Formation, the Brule Formation, the Shadron Formation, and this colorful formation, which could also describe some of the dunes in Indiana Dunes National Park. What are the yellow mounds? Indiana Dunes National Park sits on this you know, lake. I, I would like to know if I got it right. You did. I wouldn't have kept going. If Great. You... <laughs> Great. Oh my god. Indiana Dunes National Park sits on this lake, which like its siblings formed from glacial retreat. What is Lake Michigan? Correct. And lastly, while glacial retreat is vastly different from this process that helped the new river cut through the gorge, it still shows the amazing impact on water on a landscape over time. What is the thing that um, sponsored our entire season this year, which is erosion? And that's degrees of separation. Look at that. Mm-hmm. You did a good game, girl. Well, thank you. Um, I honestly started with New River Gorge and just kind of didn't know where the through line would be, but was able to wrap it all back around. So well, look at you. I'm pretty proud of that. You did it. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Now that we've wet our whistles with a game, it's time to take a look at the parks from our fifth season. Let's start with the New River Gorge National Park located in the land also known as West Virginia. We would also like to acknowledge that while hiking and visiting the land also known as New River Gorge, that we were 
on the traditional and stolen land of the Manatan, Yuchi, Shamanwaki, Shawnee, and Tutelo peoples. While it is the newest national park, New River Gorge has no problems when it comes to visitors, as in 2021, an estimated 1.7 million visitors visited this winding parkland. New River Gorge is over 70,000 acres of parkland, which stretches 53 miles. So this park is long. It is very long, and the sections of the park are all very distinct in their own way. This includes Canyon Rim, Thurmond, Grandview, and Sandstone Falls. So yeah, what made the sections, in your mind, distinct from one another? Well, they were distinct in that they were a considerable driving distance from one to the other, Mm -hmm. right? Because it feels like highway, but then you pull off, and now you're in a section of this national park. Right. And then you get back on the highway, or another highway, and then you're in another section of the national park. Yeah. So those do feel very distinctive because they are literal drives away from each other. Yeah. Um, But I think what distinguished them for me is that we got something different at each section. We did, yeah. Really distinctly different. Like Canyon Rim is like this vast open view of the gorge and the bridge and there are ways to drive through it and get on trails and then Sandstone Falls is up close and personal with a really cool type of waterfall and then Grandview is a different way to take in this like beautiful bend in the new mm-hmm. river and there's also trails there Thurmond is a ghost town Ooh. I know so yeah. there's a lot of different experiences at each section Absolutely. what about for you? Yeah I mean I think that each of these sections felt like it was like <laughs> in its own way sort of like Disney-fied it's like here's Tomorrowland here's Futureland here's this land like in that yeah. everything was different there was such difference in even just what we were hiking at the different parts within the park but I do think the sites themselves really spoke to their own uniqueness because the New River Gorge Bridge for example like you don't see anything that you know in that engineering marvel type way anywhere else in the park like that's incredible sandstone falls like you're actually seeing the river at work in a very specific sort of way grand view you're getting a very different sort of view of the river so and thurmond is just completely wildly different it's you know thing. it's its yeah. own thing some other state parks that surround new river gorge include babcock state park little beaver state park Hawksnest state park and another nps site that is near the park is golly river national recreation area while we have been to new river gorge twice now these additional parks though talked about are not spaces that we've been able to visit as of yet That's because there's so much to do within the park itself, and not just hiking. What other activities are popular within the park? Okay, so there's so many activities that Mm -hmm. are popular at New River Gorge. It's been a place for, like, outdoor activities for a long time. Right. It's known for the whitewater rafting. Right. Also, uh, climbing. Climbing is a big thing. Also, zip lining, Mm -hmm. mountain biking. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to do. And obviously, hiking. And hiking. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've definitely hiked. I think we were almost <laughs> going to be doing Class 4 Rapids. Um, we almost did. Yeah. Um, but and, and maybe we will soon. And maybe we will soon. I think there's also, we're both excited to potentially zipline, and we'd love to climb because we oh, both used to yes. climb a lot. We'd love to do all of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But along with all of this, there is a looming presence in the park, the New River Gorge Bridge and the Bridge Walk. This is an experience I didn't think I was really going to want to do. In fact, like when we chatted with Brad and Grandma Joy the first time on the Mm -hmm. show, New River Gorge had just become the newest national park. And we were like, well, we got to go. Let's all go together. And Brad was like, are you going to do the bridge walk? And I was like, I don't think so. Right. Joy and I sort of signed ourselves up for it. You signed it up. 
and you're like, great, we'll watch you and, and wait. Brad and I were like, <laughs> we'll have a cocktail and sit in a chair and and watch y'all go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And little did you know that, that that was not a part of Brad's plan. No, no. we all ended up. <laughs> we on all there. walked the bridge. And so, what was it like for you to walk the bridge? Yeah, uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I did it. Mm-hmm. You know would, what I mean? Would you like, do it again? Um, I might. I actually yeah. might do it mm-hmm. again. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to say no. I do have to say, like, the views and the angle that you get from up there are really special. They are. Really cool. I would definitely do it again for, like, if it were a different season and to be able to see, like, the the areas near the river yeah. at a different time of year, that would be really special. Yeah, maybe when they could really make sure that the foliage was orange enough for us. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, we joke about that because people that... Um, run the bridge walk are just the kindest sweetest mm-hmm. most wonderful folks and they were saying that yeah some tourists like the week before us the week before we were there were like oh we really wish like the full the foliage would it just be a little more you know autumn yeah we're really disappointed by that is there anything you can do <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. The audacity of some people, also the, the ignorance. Yes. So anyway, um, mm-hmm. no, I think I would do it again. It would be easier to do it again sure. since I've done it already. Yeah. I do have to say it's the walking and the stopping for me. Yeah. I'm if a little bit like straight through. if if it were just us mm-hmm. and like a guide and we could be like, okay, there's three points we're going to stop at and we're going to take photos because really you could probably do it in like 15 minutes, but they stretch it to like an hour so that you just like walk a little bit and then you stop and then you walk a little bit and then you stop. And I'm like, I would rather like walk a third of the way and stop and take a bunch of photos, mm-hmm. walk another third, do the same thing and then finish. Sure. For more info about this hike and the New River Gorge Bridge, listen to episode 89, The Bridge Walk. This is one of those experiences like zip lining or rafting where an additional charge would be incurred. Look into companies like Adventures on the Gorge and Bridge Walk to find out more information. And if you're really interested in the New River Gorge Bridge, there is the Bridge Day celebration every year in October to commemorate the opening of the bridge, which is something to definitely check out as the bridge itself is a major lifeblood to the state by way of transit. In fact, If you take the Fayette Station Road driving tour, you can get a sense of why the New River Gorge Bridge was so important when you cross the Fayette Station Bridge, the bridge that spanned the gorge prior to the New River Gorge Bridge being built. That driving tour was great. I thought it gave us like a really good sense of what the passage would have been like to cross the gorge at that point for so many years. It's windy, but you get to go under the span of the new bridge or very close to it at some points. And then getting down to the bottom when you're crossing the Fayette Station Bridge, it's like, oh my God, people used to do this. I think it cut the commute time down across the gorge by like 40 minutes. It was something wild oh, like that. Oh, I think it was yeah. more than that. Yeah, it I was wild. It was way more than yeah. that because people would have to go like down and then around yeah, and, and then, then up. up. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're thinking of visiting the park and have limited accessibility or mobility, a driving tour like this is a great way to see both bridges and also get a sense for the geology and the history of the region. Another way to experience history in the park without hiking per se is by visiting Grandview and taking in the river from a different vantage or exploring the sites of Thurmond. To hear more about these sections of the park, be sure to listen to episodes 87 and 88. The park's visitor centers include the Canyon Rim Visitor Center and the Sandstone Falls Visitor Center. When we visited both times, we only actually made it to 
the Canyon Rim Visitor Center. So when we visited on both of our trips, unfortunately, I think Sandstone was closed that time in the spring. Sandstone was COVID closed. Yeah. And then we didn't even really look into it being open the second time we went. But the Canyon Rim Visitor Center was pretty great. Um, it's a great visitor center. And you get center. a great view of the both the bridge oh, yeah. and the gorge from uh-huh. this. So I like it when you get like a natural experience from a visitor center. Yeah. And this is one where yes. you really do. Absolutely. As far as civilization goes near the park, Fayetteville is the closest, largest community near New River Gorge. And if you have time, definitely stop through town and look around. If you visit the Sandstone Falls section of the park, you'll also pass through the town of Hinton, right at the river's edge. Okay, I love Fayetteville. It's also super queer. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a great little place. Mm-hmm. Lovely, yeah. locally owned places. We got some great pizza. Oh, God, I love Fayetteville. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Definitely a place to stop through. And Hinton, we've driven past and through twice, but didn't get a chance to stop. Right. It is a like it is sort of like a small downtown Main Street area, too. Yeah. And then there are houses that you pass through as you drive by. And also Tudor's mm-hmm. Biscuit World. That's true. Sometimes, sometimes I wonder. Sorry. It, the word is something. And I was reading sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. Something I always find fascinating is when parks and communities are enmeshed with one another. You see this in parks like Acadia, Shenandoah, Cuyahoga Valley. And this is definitely the case in New River Gorge, too, as communities dot the river and homes sometimes even abut hiking trails. Yeah, like on the Long Point Trail. That's right. Exactly. To hear more about New River Gorge National Park and the hiking trails and experience experiences within the park, listen to episodes 83 through 89. Now, let's turn our attention to Theodore Roosevelt National Park, located in North Dakota. We would like to acknowledge that while visiting and hiking the land also known as Theodore Roosevelt National Park, that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Mondon, Hidatsta, Arikara, Crow, and various other indigenous people. Theodore Roosevelt National Park is interesting because it is a park with two units. Well, three, but the main two units are about an hour apart from one another and across the time zone, which sounds like a catchphrase for a movie like Sleepless in Seattle. But it's true. There is the south unit of the park near Medora, and then the north unit of the park, which is closest to Watford City. And then there is the Elkhorn Ranch section of the park. The Elkhorn Ranch unit is the most remote. It's sort of in between the two units of the park, all of which have some interaction with the Little Missouri River. This smallest unit became Roosevelt's home ranch after the death of his wife and mother on the same day in 1884. The ranch itself is no longer standing, but from the parking area, there is a 0.7-mile trail that leads you to the foundation of the ranch. Again, this is not a unit of the park that we visited as we spent more time in the north and south unit, a day for each space. So the park, which has amazing hiking trails, is sort of best known as a wildlife park, or at least that is what everyone we knew who had been there to the park before us had told us. So what wildlife did we see in the park? There was so much. I mean, instantly we saw buffalo from the highway. Mm -hmm. We could see that driving in. We weren't even in the park. We could see the park like the outer areas yeah. of the park from the highway. We saw prairie dogs, oh, little so prairie, prairie dog dogs. towns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We also saw wild horses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. And I like threw myself across the dashboard and ran out of the car. Like you there threw was, like, yourself across the dashboard. I did. Like there was a monster in that car. And I got out. I don't know. Something possessed me there. Um, How did the park inform your birding? Well, we did see some uh, golden eagles. We did. Apparently, it's an amazing park for birding. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really actively birding at that Mm -hmm. time. But it did whet the curiosity for birds and 
being able to start identifying them. Yeah. This is a park where I felt like accessibility was really important because so much of the park can be viewed from the roadway. It's definitely a way that you can get to experience so much of the park, even the wildlife. This is especially helpful on very hot days, as the park can definitely reach temperatures that might be too hot to hike the trails, or too hot to hike the trails for too long, as we experienced when trying to hike the North Achenbach Trail in the North Unit. Yeah, we definitely have yeah. firsthand experience yeah, here. Yeah, heat, heat's... Uh, heat. And we were prepared. I think we just didn't realize that our bodies weren't where they needed to be, or where they were going to be on that day, when we were trying to do what would have been like a 16 mile hike I think yeah um you definitely had some overheating moments so having some water was very very helpful um extra water beyond what was in our bladder because I definitely showered you with that water you did (laughs) and um we also having buffs on wetting that buff and like putting it around your neck also helped to kind of keep you cool finding shade where we could but the thing is is that it's really hard to find shade in this park it is really hard to find shade Mm -hmm. in this park Mm -hmm. we say unironically even though we always bring the shade wherever Mm -hmm. we go Mm -hmm. especially in like the big open sections yeah which are beautiful hikes right like such a cool landscape yeah but yeah yeah it's it's like in fully exposed sun it's very hard to keep your cool it's very hard to find shade or keep cool Mm -hmm. like the rocks are just radiating heat yeah yeah water is especially important in this park as the little missouri river is important in each unit of the park but water is especially important when you're hiking here especially in the summer months as most trails are incredibly exposed with very little tree cover the park's landscapes are particularly interesting as grasslands badlands and rapidian areas combine to create incredibly unique feel yeah i I found that this park had a lot of shifting landscape and even the north unit and the south unit were really pretty different from one another and I really appreciated that I feel like even the wildlife we saw I feel like we saw more wildlife in the south unit of the park than we did the north unit and now I'm curious like the Elkhorn Ranch has been described as this like very peaceful solitude yeah Um, I'm curious about it you can experience the solitude that Roosevelt once felt like is sort of their selling point for going to I know I see your eye roll over there i know Uh uh-huh yeah yeah while driving is a great way to see the park exploring the trails of the park offers an even closer more in-depth look at the landscape some trails that are wonderful include the petrified forest loop the colvane trail and the cap rock coulee trail i like the trails a lot here in theodore roosevelt national park because there are a lot of options Mm mm-hmm because hiking trails can describe like a an epic 10 mile loop it could describe a one mile loop it could describe just like a half mile jut out somewhere yeah and all of those things are happening here in Teddy Roosevelt National Park. Mm-hmm. We did a very epic loop at the beginning of our first day in the South Unit. And then we went to the loop road and we would stop and get out and do jut out trails yeah. and come back. And those are awesome. I loved how it would bring us out to like some really cool thing. And like then then it didn't take very long. No, and it gave us some really good vantage and views um, to the landscape of the park, like beyond just the loop road, which was was great like without having to get on a trail to do anything there which i really appreciated about it too 
Yeah. Options. The park, which receives around 600,000 visitors annually, finds most of its traffic in the summer months, June, July, and August. The park has three visitor centers, of which we only made it to the south unit. This visitor center is near Medora, which is essentially the biggest town near the park. What was this visitor center like for you? I thought it was great. Like, it was a really nice experience. It was very large. I thought they had a really good exhibit. Like, we definitely spent some time, like, moving through through that exhibit we sat and watched the movie because this is who we I've become. Did. I've you become allowed a movie us girl. to do this. Oh yeah. Yeah. The gatekeeper over here of oh. our travels. I mean, yeah. <laughs> let's call, um, let's not let's not not call a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. And um the Rangers were incredibly helpful here. This is where we got like a really good itinerary for the North Unit. And it's not that the North Unit Visitor Center wasn't open when we arrived. Or it wasn't that the North v- Unit Visitor Center wasn't open. It's just that when we arrived, we arrived so early that it wasn't open yet and we didn't right. want to wait to have to talk to the rangers there and the south unit rangers were incredibly helpful as far as what we should be doing when we headed there the other visitor center the painted canyon visitor center was a little further down highway 94 but it's not something that we visited in our time there while you're in the south unit or at the south unit visitor center it's definitely worth the stop to visit the town of medora now there's a lot of online commentary about medora as far as the culture of medora we found this to be a level place to visit mm-hmm. there were a lot of little shops a lot of little restaurants and um and yeah uh had there been availability we could have stayed there sure there was no availability right because we drove a half hour into the park every day it was we did longer i feel like too through just Nothing. empty blank land yeah <laughs> blank so land. um Medora was super cute yeah. And it was a great place to like rest after like long, hard hiking. No, I thought that it was nice, a nice spot to trink it a little bit, which, you know, when I'm tired, I acquiesce to that. So, right. Mm-hmm. I gotta see me proving to be a gatekeeper more and more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, we do only get to trink it when you want to trink it. That's right. It's true. Mm-hmm. I want to trink it at all times. I know. And you tantrum it. I'm ready to trink it. Mm-hmm. I, and I tantrum it. You do. Hey, let's hold up the mirror. There's some tantrums from you too <laughs> some other park spaces near theodore roosevelt national park include sully creek state park near the south unit and little missouri state park and lewis and clark state park near the north unit of the park now let's turn our attention to badlands national park located in south dakota we'd like to acknowledge that while visiting and hiking the land also known as badlands national park we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the cheyenne ocheti shikoan and Minikoju people. Badlands National Park is one of those parks that's very accessible to experience in a single day. While there are spots to hike, the trails, for the most part, are short and fairly doable. There are great boardwalk trails that can give you a sense of the park very quickly and really wonderful overlooks that allow you to glance into the wild landscapes. This is a park that really piqued our curiosity when it came to learning, especially regarding fossils. Yeah, this is where we like sort of had our fossil like um, renaissance, perhaps. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yes. Our um, our updated learnings of fossils. Yeah. Because fossils in school are often associated with, with dinos. Dino DNA. Exactly. Um, but fossils are so much more than that. Exactly. And this is a great park for learning that. Sure is, because the fossils here aren't dinosaur fossils. 
fossils because there were no dinosaurs. There were no dinosaurs in the Western here. Interior Seaway. That's correct. So the fossil lab is a really great experience within the visitor center because it allows you to see fossils up close, but it also allows you to see paleontologists working with actual fossils, like with cameras that are close up to what they're doing when it comes to cleaning the fossils and working to excavate things off of them. So this was a really great experience that I think you don't get anywhere else. Um, And it's something definitely worth stopping and doing while you're at Badlands National Park. The park is fairly remote, Rapid City, South Dakota being the closest major city to the park, with some small towns and hamlets here and there. It's definitely a park to have a plan for visiting, especially when it comes to where to stay or camp, as the communities around the park are small. So parks that are remote... They are. Because, like, you have to be sort of prepared to, like, halfway rough it. Yeah. You know what I mean? At least, like, as far as there, I mean, where we were staying, there was no, like, grocery store. We would have had to drive, like, 45 minutes to a grocery store. It just is what it was. Yeah. It's definitely, like, you just have to be prepared in a park situation like that. Yeah. Um, And I'd I'd say it's not exactly what you would need to do when you backpack, because we haven't backpacked camped as of yet. But it seems somewhat similar in the fact that, like, there just has to be a lot of preparation there. This is also a park where I feel like the visitor center experience experience was masterfully done when it came to learning. Okay, so not only was there the fossil lab, but there was this whole interpretive museum exhibition on everything about the Western Interior Seaway, all the different formations, things found in them. Sediment levels, yeah. And when I tell you, like, it was full of children, and they were all engaging. Yeah. And I was like, this is very exciting to me to see kids engage with, like, information about fossils that are not dinosaurs. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. I didn't find there to be a lot of information about the indigenous people of the area. No, no. Which was kind of, I feel like, a missed opportunity. Definitely missed opportunity. There's another visitor center we didn't get to go to. which is on co-managed land. On co-managed land, and that I'm curious about. Yeah. Past the major hiking area of the park, which is near the interior entrance to the park, you can drive the loop road and get a sense of the landscape and geology of the park. This is also where I really got a sense of how different this park is from other spaces. So the formations here are just weird. Oh, it just felt super weird. very strange. And that's what we call them. We don't call them peaks. No. Sometimes they call them mounds, mm-hmm. but mostly it's called the sharps or Shadron or the Fool. formations. Yeah. Formations is the most collective word yeah. because the sharps really are more about one specific part of those right. formations. Right. Um, this is also interesting because like this is a park where fossil hunting is sort of like very, you could like trip and fall over a fossil. Yeah. They're like, everywhere. They're everywhere. But you don't pick up fossils. No. 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 There's a whole Th- process. There's a process for mm-hmm. what to do if you discover a fossil, which is a great reason why to start the journey at the visitor center to find out that process so that, you know, when out and about in the park, if you do happen upon a fossil, you know what to do. Yeah. Because it's highly likely you will. And um, you don't want to put it in your car and take it with you. We want to learn about it and see what that can teach us about the past. So it has to stay. You can hear all about the geology and the fossils of the Badlands in our trail mix episodes, Geology of the Badlands and Fossils of the Badlands. And you can hear all about the hiking trails in the park in episodes 95, 95, 96 and 97. Other NPS sites in South Dakota that are relatively close to Badlands National Park include Wind Cave National Park, Jewel Cave National Monument, and Mount Rushmore National Monument. Custer State Park is another big draw for those people visiting the Badlands area. 
And last but not least, let's turn our attention to the last park of Season 5, Indiana Dunes National Park. We would like to acknowledge that Indiana Dunes National Park is on the traditional and stolen land of the Kickapoo, Peoria, Kaskaskia, Potawatomi, and Miamia people. You can't really talk about Indiana Dunes National Park without talking about Indiana Dunes State Park. Which is sort of like, um, they're like abutted. Yes, To abutted. use your word mm-hmm. from this season. Mm-hmm. They are abutted, and um, it's almost like the donut hole inside of the donut. Sure, yeah. If the donut has had a bite taken out of it. So there's like a C. Yeah, it's like the negative space inside of a C. This is a great park. Like this is a park you do when you go to the national park. So sometimes people are like, I'm here for the national park, not for the nearby state park. This isn't that situation for you. When going to Indiana Dunes, you want to go to both. Like the Indiana Dunes is one area. There's one area managed by the state park and one area managed by the national park. You want to experience all of that. You absolutely do. So do go to all of it. There is a separate fee, but um, it's worth it. Oh, so just pay the absolutely, separate fee. Absolutely. In 2022, Indiana Dunes National Park saw 2.83 million visitors, which is settled on the edge of Lake Michigan, has long been a draw for the people of the Great Lakes region, especially denizens of Chicago, as the park is only 45 minutes from downtown Chicago. The park has a lot to offer, especially by way of varied landscape, which is rather unexpected. So what kind of landscapes did we actually actually experience oh there's so much landscape technically speaking it's one of the most biodiverse parks in the system yeah there's so much swampland yep so much green Mm -hmm. forest obviously dunes dunes, but there is so much happening there is beautiful rich green landscape and also just plants like every wildlife the wildlife is wild Mm mm-hmm while there isn't a park loop road, as this park is like New River Gorge, where there is a park space that is enmeshed within a community, there is plenty to do and see, including enjoying the beach, which is what a lot of people tend to do in various parts of the state and national park. I didn't find that this park felt like it was the most accessible, though. Certainly wheelchair accessibility yeah. would be tough, especially yeah. on dunes that have stairs. Yeah. So um, that is tough to do. There are a lot of things to do. There yeah. are tours to do. There are some parts of trails that definitely have wheelchair accessibility and boardwalks that could be done. And then there's also parts of those trails that that are not. Yeah, yeah. lots of steps too. The dunes also provide the experience for some challenging hikes. Like the three dune challenge Mm -hmm. and Dare the Dunes. Yeah, this was something that we hadn't seen in a park space before, but these were two um, kind of like hikes that one could do where there is some interpretive information that's happening. um, And then the three dune challenge, there's kind of like a fun, you can time yourself sort of thing happening within the park. It's true. Yeah. And we didn't do that even though we're competitive people. (laughs) It's true. The park's proximity to Chicago allows easy access to the Pullman National Historic Park there. Other MPS sites in Indiana include the George Rogers Clark National Historic Park and the Lincoln Boyhood National Memorial. Both of these sites are in the southwestern part of the state. To learn more about the dunes and why they are there, check out our trail mix titled Nature of Sand Dunes. To hear more about the hikes in Indiana dunes, check out episodes 98, 99, 101, and 102 from this season. And now, let's end this summit with a queen and a game. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Chance Upon. Now, Chance Upon is a a new queen. Or a drag king. Or a king. 
Could be either. Drag performer. Mm-hmm. Chance is... Chance dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Chance stretches beyond binary. That's here. right. Yeah, Chance Upon. Chance Upon is a discovery. Quing. <laughs> sure. A quing. <laughs> a quing. Interesting. Yeah. Um. So Chance Upon... Um, I think chance upon, I feel like also upon is very like fairy tale too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I'm getting those kind of ideas. Which plays nicely into my game later. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Ready to go. Uh-huh. Always at all times. Chance upon. Yes. I think they are a performer of coincidence. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Happen- a happenstance performer. Happenstance mm-hmm. performer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're more like, um, are they flash mob drag? I love that idea. Flash mob drag. You didn't know you were at a drag show. Suddenly you are. That's great. Where is that in the world? Is that happening somewhere? Well, not Tennessee. No. Well. I mean, maybe now. Maybe now. Maybe now. Hopefully. Um, Thank you, federal judge. Yeah. But Um, um, yeah, uh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Mm Mm-hmm chance upon is just like suddenly surprise you're at a drag show you're at a drag show mm, i like that, that. would make the republicans ju- thrilled mm-hmm. you know what i mean it'd be like that gif of that woman from the soap opera who's like having him <laughs> like shaking and having a mental breakdown right exactly yeah mm-hmm. because that's the level of drama they operate at it's true absolutely uh-huh great but also i think surprise drag is something we need a little more of i think so too why not yeah why not? I mean, the thing I love about drag is that, as Rue says all the time, it helps us take life less seriously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would love a drag show to be suddenly in the DMV. Great. Right? Like, Chance Upon appears in places where, like, there wouldn't Least necessarily drag. be a drag show. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah, I like that. DMV, mm-hmm. the doctor's office waiting room. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to be long. It's no. just suddenly there's, like, a, a drag show moment. Flash drag. Flash drag. So what's the song they sang? I'm trying to think of, like, what the big viral flash mob songs were. So I feel like they've stopped being a thing. They have. Yeah. But since Chance Upon's name is Chance, mm-hmm. I do feel like Take a Chance on Me mm-hmm. is required oh, here. yeah. From ABBA. Yeah. Because who, like, who can really get mad about ABBA? You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure some Republican could. <laughs> but um, who could really get mad about ABBA? Yeah. And I feel, I mean, not that we're, like, placating to anybody, but I'm saying, like, I feel like that's, like, a univ, like, it's pretty universal, and it's, like, it's pr- very well known. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that sounds great. I feel like, um, is there any merch involved? Mm-hmm. Is there, I feel like there's some kind of like, I don't know. Do you think it's um, relative to the space that the drag is happening in? Maybe. Or there's like, like if you're at a doctor's office, it's just like, um, there's just lollipops that come out. Maybe there's that. <laughs> or like, or like um, when we saw that drag show at the brewery recently, mm-hmm. they gave out, that drag king gave out coins and mm-hmm. there was a QR code on the coin. Right. And I'm like, maybe there's something with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, it's a little choose your own internet adventure. It is. Mm-hmm. And it'll bring you to a really cool nonprofit organization like to that. make a donation to. And and also, you can like you know electronically tip your queen, right, or king, or performer. Yeah. Yeah, chance yeah, yeah, upon, yeah. I do feel like chance upon works with local drag queens, great, and drag artists, I should say, to um, create flash mob drag moments. I love it. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Chance Upon. And now it's time to end this summit with a game. And All some right. Jeopardy style trivia. I'm ready. Gamings. Um, so 
This is a game that's called Fantasy Travel Ad Campaign. Oh. And so I'm going to be giving you like ad copy for um, visiting a fantasy world. And okay. you have to name the fantasy world. Oh, got it. Okay. Great. I'm ready. All right. It's, it's pretty straightforward. Looking for a place for a magical vacation? Look no further than this rustic castle in the Scottish Highlands. While it might be hard to locate unless you're a magical being, once you're there, you can tour the grounds, locate the room of requirement, and even tour the now defunct Chamber of Secrets. What is Hogwarts? That's correct. For 200, looking for a vacation from the ordinary? Look no further than this habitable moon which orbits the gas giant Tana. Populated by cute, though deadly, cuddly teddy bears, it also may be a great spot to watch a giant space Nazi death ship blow up into a million pieces. What is Endor? That's correct. Look at me knowing my Star Wars. For 300. Have you walked the Appalachian Trail, the Camino, or the Continental Divide? Want to get an even longer walk-in? Where at the end you get to look into the heart of a volcanic mountain? That is, of course, after traveling through a land perpetually clouded over and covered with orcs? Well, then we've got the place for you. What is Mordor? Correct. Mm-hmm. For 400. Great. Looking for a fast-paced vacation in a metropolis at the heart of this magical land? There are buildings as tall as quaxwood trees, libraries, and museums a hundred strong. There's no way you'll be bored, especially because this city itself made a bold choice to make green its official color. What is the Emerald City of Oz? That's correct. And for 500. Travel by unconventional means to this land with deep magic, but kind of Christian undertones. I mean, you can get there by painting, magical rings, or a wardrobe. It may be time to start picking up random items just to see if you end up traveling between worlds, ending up here. What is Narnia? That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was great. And this is why Mike needs to like um, just be a commercial actor, mm-hmm. 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 at least and a write commercial copy. voice actor yep. and write copy. Exactly. Exactly. This has been the Season 5 Summit by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we are here to remind you to hike early and hike often and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's Gaze, G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the Gaze shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman and Mariella Klinger, with Sean Sklios on guitar. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey. 